Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, folks. Hey, Justin. How's it going, Randy? It's, it's going great. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We just moved into a new office at the uh, the old work. and uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The old the old ranch, mm-hmm. the old factory job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I suppose. Oh, well, that's cool. That's always a nice nice change of pace. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I'm. I I have not been moving. Well, I mean, I have. I've <laughs> I've gotten up and, and and moved around, but but no major moves like that. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, I'm not like. You know, sitting at my desk with a spore drive or anything, mm. going going all around the place, all around the galaxy. You're not uh, injecting yourself with tardigrade DNA. <laughs> no, not this week. Maybe it'll be my turn next week. <laughs> Do you think they'll take turns doing that? I, well, ma- I, mean, I imagine they would have to. Yeah, it seems like it takes it out of you. Oh, I guess we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> oh yeah, we should we should introduce yeah. this. Uh, hey. We're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. Season one, episode five, choose your pain. Okay. I, I don't know if I'm up for that, but uh, I mean, I'm up for talking about it. I don't know if I'm up for choosing my pain <laughs> at this very moment. Uh, so, yeah, we'll just kind of go in chronological order. Why not? Uh, Michael dreams that she is in the uh, spore chamber. And uh, mm-hmm. she's kind of taking the place of the tardigrade, the uh, ripper. Mm-hmm. Good old Rippy. Yeah. So so it's kind of foreshadowing what's going to happen later in this episode. Yeah. And, and by the way, do they have a name for that chamber. Is it just the Spore Chamber? I'm just going to call it the like Spore a, Chamber. I think they have a cool name for it, because I think now they're calling the Spore Drive the S Drive, or at least Burnham is. Well, it's the S Chamber. The S Chamber? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's just going to have S in front of it. Did you put the S Fuel in the S Drive for the S Chamber? Yeah, and I also noticed that, that you refer to Burnham as Michael, and I call Burnham Burnham. So I think maybe you're a little closer. You're you're on a first name basis. Yeah, I still have, I still have to get there. I'm kind of like Saru. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Michael Burnham. Uh, yeah. Then she's throughout the episode, she's feeling that the tardigrade is getting weaker with every jump, and she's mm-hmm. kind of its advocate, saying, "Hey, we this is an untenable situation." Mm-hmm. Well, it's clearly not. It does not feel good for our friend Ripper. Yeah, she's noticing it's getting weak and depressed after every jump. Mm-hmm. We see some of Starfleet command, and the uh, Lorca is told to be more covert with the uh, spore drive. <laughs> after showing off last episode, yeah, and uh, yeah, they don't want to give away their secret to the Klingons. And uh, we learned that Starfleet is building more ships with spore drives, though obviously they don't have tardigrades to navigate with those drives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what are they going to do? We already know it doesn't quite work without the tardigrade. You might fly into a sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Stamets could only achieve short jumps without the tardigrade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the way back to Discovery from Starfleet Command, uh, Lurker Shuttle gets... Uh, surprised by a Klingon battle cruiser, mm-hmm. and as we saw in the preview from last episode, Lorca gets kidnapped. So it wasn't really a big surprise. No, yeah, we knew that he was going to get kidnapped, and we knew that he was going to meet Harry Mud. Lorca is gone, so Saru is made acting captain, 
and uh, he's charged with rescuing Lorca so that Lorca doesn't spill the beans about the spore drive. Yeah, it's not necessarily, hey, we've got to save our beloved Captain Lorca. It's, no, we, we can't let him uh, get tortured into talking <laughs> about our secret weapon. Yeah, and since Saru is trying to make himself into a better captain, so he looks up uh, past great captains, including one Jonathan Archer. Yeah, so I, I of course paused on that to uh, to see what was going on. So we had Archer on there, um, and then we had some other names too. Oh, Captain Pike, mm-hmm. and um, I believe one other Enterprise, by which I mean Star Trek Enterprise captain. Uh, yeah, that was that was fun. And Captain Giorgio. Yeah, and Captain Giorgio. Uh, but yeah, it was cool to see you know some recognition for. You know, it's not like they're going to just retcon it and, you know, wipe Enterprise from the record. They're actually, you know, we, we saw that in uh, this and we saw that in in um, uh, Star Trek Beyond. Mm-hmm. That the, they're actually not totally ashamed of Enterprise. And they shouldn't be. But yeah, you know, Enterprise is Enterprise is the starting point for all these series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Saru is totally ignoring Burnham's suggestion that they not use the tardigrade so much. Because Zara mm-hmm. was like, we need it. We need to rescue Lorca. Like, uh, I don't know. It. I can see where he's coming from, and that they have this mission, and they want to rescue their captain. But it, him, it, it, he comes across as very unsympathetic. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to act tough because he—that's how a captain should act. Yeah, I think he's been hanging out with uh, with Captain Lorca uh, for quite a while. Uh, yeah, so Lorca wakes up in a Klingon prison vessel, uh, and there's Harry Mudd, played mm-hmm. by um, Dwight Schrute. What's his name? <laughs> Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. <laughs> played by Dwight. No, no, it's not Rain Wilson. It's Dwight Schrute from The Office playing Harry Mudd. I would pay more than the subscription price to uh, CBS All Access to see that, my friends. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> what if they retroactively go back and change De Bears beats Star Trek Discovery? <laughs> uh yeah, so he's he's got a full full on beard. Um I can't remember uh Harry Mud uh, that I remember from the original series. I uh, just had that that waxed mustache. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're seeing a younger Harry Mud here. Yeah. But he's he's still a jerk. Um Yeah, yeah, he's a big bucket of jerk. <laughs> Yeah, so there's another prisoner. It's a Starfleet officer. So a couple of Klingons enter the prison cell and, and tell Harry Mudd to choose his pain. Well, there you go. Choose your pain. <laughs> That's the name of the episode. episode title. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, Harry Mudd points to the uh, Starfleet officer, and the Klingons kick the crap out of him, uh, out of the officer. And then Harry explains to Lorca that the Klingons allow prisoners to choose their pain, meaning they can choose who gets beaten, which prevents prisoners from bonding. Mm-hmm. And Lorca notes that Harry is conspicuously injury-free. Yeah, he's he's always chosen other people. We meet Lieutenant Tyler, mm-hmm. and he's been a prisoner for seven months since the Battle of the Binaries. Mm-hmm. So we know it's been seven months since the premiere and uh, he's been kept alive because the Klingon captain has taken a liking to him. 
Okay. The and I noted the female Klingon captain. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Back on Discovery, Stamets, Tilly, and Burnham try to solve the Ripper problem, and they want to create a substitute tardigrade, which Tilly says is so effing cool, and she does not say effing. Yeah. She drops the F-bomb. And and then Stamets also drops the F-bomb. Basically confirms it. Yep. So, okay. Uh, maybe you, you should share your feelings on this. <laughs> Because I've heard mine in my head all day long. This does not. This feels to me like the writers being edgy, or the creators being edgy for the sake of being edgy. Like mm. they just threw this in there and say, "Hey, we're a mature show on uh, non-network television." Right. So that's why they can get away with so much violence and all mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think this belongs in star trek because star trek has always been an all ages show yeah and there are a lot of people who watch star trek with their children because it's an Mm -hmm. all ages show yeah and and and, you know obviously they say it's tv or i guess it's tvma it's not really on tv um it's um you know there's been quite a bit of blood so far which you know i think i brought up in in a previous episode but, yeah, you have a really good point. I mean, how many, and I'm the last person who would normally say this sort of thing. Or maybe not the last, but <laughs> I would not normally say this kind of thing. But how many families, you know, how many parents were, were are introducing their kids to their favorite show, Star Trek, for the first time with Discovery? And that happens, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, this is the first Star Trek show since Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And people yeah. are happy that Star Trek is back, and they want to show it, share it with their families. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then uh, the creators are like, "Oh no, we're we're a mature show." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminded me of the conversations we had back when we were going through Enterprise, and you know, there were quite a few, you know, kind of like near nudity, and you know, uh, some pretty adult situations on that show, and, and we kind of called them out at the time for you know them just be trying to be super edgy you know like we're hip we're we're current you know we're, we're gonna do this this uh adult stuff in star trek and it just didn't fit and and this this really i mean i kind of <laughs> clutched my pearls and like gasped well i did i mean i did a double take i was like did i hear what i just what heard? did i just hear that and then they confirmed it yeah you know so you your point was that it was you know, trying to be edgy, trying to show that it's mature, you know, part of, part of me, my addition to that is trying to get people talking, you know, oh my gosh, Star Trek, they, they dropped the F-bomb for the first time ever, you know, Mm -hmm. someone swore on Star Trek for the first time ever, well, I've got to check that out, you know, like, I don't know, I guess what we're getting at is that it, felt more like a stunt than something that made sense for the character for star trek for yeah yeah i could i could see it that way um but but i'm just thinking back to when next gen was on it came out in 87 Mm -hmm. so i was in elementary school and i my friend was like oh you should check out the show it's called star trek next generation Mm -hmm. and i watched it you know i was seven years old at the time (laughs) And yeah, like 
I would never have been introduced to Star Trek if it was like this. You know, my right. my, my parents aren't really like they weren't really strict about mature content in terms of language and stuff. Mm-hmm. But still, they would have felt a little uncomfortable if I were to watch <laughs> a show where they're dropping f bombs. Yeah, Justin, what are you watching? What's going on in that space show? Come on. But uh, yeah, so it's just kind of yeah. It it it's worthy of discussion. <laughs> no, I mean it, it accomplishes sure. what what you're thinking they're trying to achieve in that people uh-huh. are talking about it. Uh huh. But people are talking about it in a negative light. Sure. In that there are yeah. a lot of parents out there who are mm-hmm. like, "Well, great, now I can't." show this show to my kids because who right, knows when yeah. they'll swear again or who knows when they'll have a you know more violence again yeah i hadn't even thought of that that aspect of it you know i i would almost imagine you know that's another note that it did they want it to be a total surprise because sure granted it's not on network television but there was nothing that that i saw at least on on CBS All Access, that, you know, normally when there's going to be adult content in a show, especially one where it's not really known for it, they'll have a disclaimer up front that says, like, this program contains adult language. Right. You know what I mean? And they, so did, it almost makes they me think didn't have that. They didn't. So it almost makes me think that they were hoping to catch people off guard. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, we're adults. It's, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't affect us. But, you know, uh, it's not very Star Trek. It's not Star Trek. That, yeah, the show with Star Trek that is, I I hope they don't do that again. Yeah, I mean, like I said before, Star Trek is meant for everyone, mm-hmm. and this instantly closes it off to a certain segment of viewers. Mm-hmm. I I wonder. Um, I I wonder if. Um you know, what, what some of the surviving cast member, oh, obviously surviving of the original series, but just cast members of Star Trek in general, think about the decision. I, I did think for a minute today, I thought, what would Gene Roddenberry have thought? I think it's interesting, you know, Rod, Rod Roddenberry, um, Gene, Gene, I guess Gene, the second, uh, is, is an executive producer on the show. I wonder if he knew they were going to go, you know, go for that. Mm. But anyways, sorry, <laughs> I feel like maybe we're spending too much time on it, but it was it was a big moment. Yeah. Uh, so during this time, uh, they need to shut down the short the spore drive. Mm-hmm. And Saru is upset about this, understandably, because he's thinking that they could just hop around looking for Lorca. Um, to me, they made it seem like. Uh, Burnham was going to inject herself with the tardigrade DNA mm-hmm. because of what happened in the intro. Right, right. That's what I was expecting, too. Yeah, so they explained to Saru that we can combine tardigrade DNA with human because humans share DNA with fungus. Okay. I don't know. That's the rationale. I And, and I'm, I have not looked that up. <laughs> to see if it's true, but they seem to indicate that humans share a lot of DNA with fungus. Uh, and yeah, there you go. Science, right? Science. I, I'm st- still, I'm, 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 I think I'm getting more of how the spore drive supposedly works. There's like a 
sub or there's like a quantum or subspace network of fungus roots that spread throughout the entire known universe. Yes. Okay. And this drive allows them to use that network to hop out somewhere else. Okay. Along the, okay. that network. <laughs> no one was crazy enough to think of this idea before now. <laughs> That's why we've never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, back on the Klingon ship, um, Lorca's ca- uh, tortured by the Klingon captain, who, and she speaks really good English, mm-hmm. uh, because her parents were spies. Uh, the, so we learn. And then, uh, after being tortured, Lorca figures out that Harry Mudd has been feeding intel to the Klingons. Right. Cause she basically feeds some of the things back to Lorca that he had said in the cell, right? Yeah. Uh, and Harry knows about Lorca's previous ship, the USS Buran, and how, uh, Lorca was the only survivor of the mm-hmm. Klingon attack on the ship. And, uh, Lorca reveals that he blew his ship up. Because he knew what would happen to his crew if they were taken prisoner. Which is what's okay. happening to him. A lot of torture. Yeah. So, yeah, we we see what they were going to be in for had they been captured. I guess we still don't know some of the specifics. You know, he blew the ship up, but yet he survived. How, you know, does that have something to do with his eyes getting de- injured? Um, he does, I believe, is this the point where he mentions that he, the reason why he doesn't want, because earlier in the episode, one of the, one of the Starfleet, um, executives, I guess you, you call them, she, she asks him why, um, why he hasn't had his eyes fixed, right? You know, like, why haven't you had the, your eyes repaired? Right. And, and he gives kind of, sort of like dodges, dodges the question. And then it's here where we learn that it's kind of like a reminder of what he did. Yeah, it's like a penance for yeah. his sins. Okay. On Discovery, the, they use the Ripper to make a jump. And then Ripper goes into what they call a cryptobiosis, mm-hmm. reducing its water levels uh, to less than 1%. And it just kind yeah. of goes into this cocoon type state. Yeah, it, it transforms into a boulder, <laughs> basically. Sara wants them to force the Ripper to comply. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's he's really he's really become uh, any means necessary ends justify the means type of uh, captain. Yeah, he's he's clearly been hanging out with Lorca, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he basically wants to just rehydrate Ripper. You know, just sprinkle some water on him. He'll be fine. That, that's how it works, right? That's how it works. Um, Back on the Klingon ship, Lorca asks, is asked to choose his pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tyler volunteers, which uh, Harry Mudd is happy about because he thought that they would choose him. Mm-hmm, clearly, right? Um. But it turns out it was all a ploy for Lorca and Tyler to kill the Klingon guards so that they could escape. But Lorca leaves uh, Mud behind because he yeah. sold them out to the Klingons. Yeah, that was not a, uh, hey, we're Starfleet, you know, we're, we're going to save everybody. Lorca is not guys. at all the typical Starfleet captain. No, <laughs> no, he is... He is, like you said, like like Saru has become any means necessary... Everyone for themselves. Yeah. Maybe not every, maybe not everyone for themselves, 
but he's he is vindictive for sure. Yeah, he de- definitely has a vindictive streak. Mm-hmm. And and I noted uh, that they that they killed the Klingons really really good. Um, <laughs> they broke their there, necks. There was no you know hammer fist you know knocking them unconscious. This was this was clear clearly an execution. Yes, and then they um, use the disruptors to vaporize a bunch of Klingons. Yeah, those disruptors are, I think, even creepier than ever. <laughs> they just kind of turn you into a green mist. But uh, Tyler is injured, so he stays behind while, while Lurka looks for an exit. And then the Klingon captain appears. And then Tyler gets into a fist fight with her. Mm-hmm. And then Lurka shows up again and shoots her in the face. Uh, but she survives and is writhing in pain as Lurka and Tyler escape. Um, it's kind of weird to me that Lorca didn't just finish her off though given mm-hmm. how easily he dispatched the rest of the Klingons mm-hmm. yeah why he left her yeah like this is this enemy captain <laughs> uh, you know the the really cynical part of me was that so she could come back in a later episode yeah really, I mean that's with a really kick butt scar on her face right? yeah she's gonna have this eye patch and everything I'm sure mm-hmm. but, but mm-hmm. still <laughs> the the albino albino klingon female albino klingon captain with an eye patch that's pretty cool cosplay i guess <laughs> but yeah it seemed a little out of character for him to leave her alive mm-hmm. it's like it wouldn't take any extra time for him to use his disruptor on her right so they're they escape in a klingon ship um and then they're chased by other similar looking klingon ships and but uh, Sara recognizes that uh, there the Lorca ship is being chased by the others, so mm-hmm. he orders that Discovery hail the ship, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it is Lorca," and they beam Lorca and Tyler aboard Discovery, and then jump to safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it was another instance. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it's another instance of of Saru's special ability coming into play. Yeah, because he he was able to say, "Oh, you know, this is what happens when the ch- the prey is being chased." Because you know that's his whole you know species is prey, right? Right. They, they chase and then they send one ahead of the prey, so that's how he knew it was Lorca, apparently. Yeah, and so uh, you know, Sara thinks that, "Hey, cool, they got the tardigrade back up and running. That's how we could jump to safety." Mm-hmm. But it turned out that Stamets injected himself with Ripper DNA. So that right. he could make the jump. Right. It was, you know, I was, of course, fully expecting it to be Michael mm-hmm. uh, in the in the chamber. Uh, when it was Stamets, though, you know, I thought, hey, that actually kind of makes sense. It's his, it's his technology, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. and like at the end of the episode, he was glad he could see the network mm-hmm. uh, for a brief moment. Mm-hmm. He could finally wrap his mind around what he'd been working on. Right, right. Um, so there's a couple scenes later. Uh, I mean, there's a couple scenes at the end. One is mm-hmm. in which Saru talks with Michael and admits that he was jealous of her because she got to learn so much from Captain Giorgio. Mm-hmm. And then Michael gives uh, Saru the uh, telescope that she got at the end of the last episode. Mm-hmm. So was, they had kind of a moment. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not really sure where it left them. I don't know if Saru is, if this is like him forgiving her. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I don't think it's going (laughs) to, I don't think it's going to happen that soon. 
but he admits that he was upset with her instead mm-hmm. of just kind of not talking to her in general. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Saru tasks Michael with saving Ripper's life. So mm-hmm. Michael ends up setting Ripper free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe it's it's something along the lines of, um, you know, wanting that 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 uh, the Ripper, you know, the the place Ripper wouldn't feel afraid would be where it came from, mm-hmm. which would be kind of out there. So you know, we still we haven't gotten a, a real. I guess we don't need one, but a real clear explanation of where Ripper how. Where where the Ripper came from, how it was made, you know, I thought it was some sort of, you know, byproduct of the um, the accident on the USS Glenn, but apparently maybe it, it was just sort of a space tardigrade, a giant space tardigrade that snuck onto the Glenn. Yeah, because it was after to, to the uh, fungus. The, mm-hmm, was to eat the fungus. So it's back out there somewhere and it, it apparently has its own S drive or it can at least utilize this network. So yeah. I don't think it's the last. We'll see. I don't think we've heard the last old ripper. <laughs> um, and at the very end, mm-hmm. uh, the doc, we learned that the doctor and Stamets are in a relationship. Um, mm-hmm. The doctor wants confirmation that Stamets is okay. And he says he is, but we see that his reflection in the mirror uh, sticks around long after Stamets himself has walked away. Yeah, it's super creepy. It's weird. Yeah, it's interesting. And uh, this immediately had me thinking about the mirror universe. Mm. Get it? It's a mirror. There's a double of him. I, I see what creepy. you're. I see what you're saying. But we'll see. What if we? What if we've just witnessed the creation of the mirror universe? Oh, I I forgot to mention that uh, in their conversations about the tardigrade DNA, Saru mm-hmm. brings up the eugenics wars and how eugenics is uh, illegal. Right. So basically injecting that DNA or would be modifying human, right. right? Which would be, which would go against the laws that were passed at the end of the eugenics wars. So, so we had eugenics wars mentioned. We had um, the, roster of most i guess decorated starfleet captains um and uh those those were two big two big callbacks yeah um i I don't i was not into this episode Mm. i don't know what it was oh i mean speaking of callbacks there's of course harry mudd is the big oh sure (laughs) yeah how could we forget that but yeah i was just i was not into this episode Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, I, I, I am with you. And nothing it was for a few, really clicked few with nothing really clicked for me. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of, I don't know. I was watching it and it just kind of bounced off it. Yeah, I, I totally get that. You know, it was um, there. There were a couple of, of, of for me, you know, it, I felt like it was it wasn't a good, good episode. It was still. It, it, it moved things on a, a, a tiny bit, but that's really what I feel like this episode did was it, it, it didn't really have a real you know story to tell. It, it was more of just kind of moving things along. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, you know, by the end of it, we, we simply, we traded, uh, 
you know, potentially traded Ripper for Stamets for the, the, the Spore Drive, uh, Navigator, whatever you want to, want to call them. Um, you know, we had a little bit of, uh, softening of the relationship between Saru and Michael. Um, you know, we, we had, oh, well, of course, what's, uh, I guess confirmed to be a new regular cast member in uh what's his name Ash Tyler uh the the star the Starfleet uh Starfleet member that that uh escaped with Lorca but I, I still think he might be a double agent so can we have a little bit of a spoiler moment for folks yeah I don't know that this is that this is in fact the case but I agree with you I think that at the very least he is um the very least he is uh uh some sort of spy yeah um we know that the captain of the ship was a spy or her family was a spy now that begs the question of you know how do they have a human that's willing to be a spy you know was this was he a spy before the binaries was he um you know who who exactly is he? If he is a spy, I mean, he might not be. Maybe it's just a red herring kind of situation. Yeah, but I mean, he could have been turned after seven months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the other thing is, I <laughs> this is a crazy conspiracy theory, but I read this tonight, uh, so I'm not taking credit for this. But the conspiracy theory that's going around is that um, that the Tyler is actually um what's what's his name Vok, the uh light bearer or the uh the the albino um uh klingon that we last saw being told he he needed to go visit uh this matriarchy and he would have to sacrifice everything so <laughs> the conspiracy theory is that he's been genetically transformed into a human and is infiltrating the discovery as Tyler. Hmm. So there you go. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far, <laughs> but I do think there's something not quite right about him. Yeah, they just introduce this new character, and they're like, "Oh yeah, come aboard, come aboard." You, you, you're totally trustworthy. Yeah, you've been on board this ship as a as a as a uh, pet of the captain for seven months. Let's just rescue you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we covered kind of how we feel about it. And I think, you know, we, we definitely talked at length about how we felt about the, uh, the adult language being used and, and, and the fact that, you know, the fact that all ages and all viewers may not be able to really watch this without, you know, some concerns going forward. Um, yeah, I, I, I really hope that, that they get back on track with the next episode. I guess I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, so the next episode is Leafy, uh, which uh, I had to look up and is defined <laughs> as a river in Hades whose waters cause drinkers to forget their past. Okay. So let's see. They're going to go down to a planet. Wait, no, they haven't gone down to really any planet since the, the, uh, since the pilot, right? I was going to say, maybe they're going to drink some water that's going to make them forget. That would be the original series plot of an episode, right? right? Yeah. Not the show. <laughs> they're probably going to drink some water and it's going to make them swear the entire episode. <laughs> Who knows? Well, we'll find out. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the writers have forgotten their Star Trek's past. <gasps> um, <laughs> nice burn. Nice burn. Nice burn him there. Yeah. 
yeah, so we'll talk about that uh, next week after the episode airs. Uh, thanks for great. listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you then. Bye.